0: Jones across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody, Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the 5th time in his career, will not be stopped. Here's Grimes at a pull-up 3,
1: oh Grimes, dead eye shooter!
0: Blair to Patterson in the corner for 3. To midcourt, that's Mark at the
1: buzzer,
2: live from san antonio texas just a stone's throw away from the uh, alamo dome uh, we cannot see in the background but we're a stone's throw away from the alamo dome just 10 minutes away from at&t center and man we wish we were joining with a uh, much better celebration much better cause for for celebration and unfortunately that will not be the case houston um, you know, fell to Villanova in the Elite Eight. They final score, they lost fifty to forty-four, really, and an abysmal shooting night for the Houston Cougars. Um, but Akiv, thank you for joining us. I'll let you introduce yourself.
3: Yeah, you could find me on can you hear me? Okay, yeah, you could find me at uh, Akiv Mbazi, on Instagram and Twitter.
2: And I can. Where can where can people? Or when we take not not where can people find you? When, when you think about this game, obviously the story of the game, uh, shooting. Houston yeah. struggles to score tremendously from the field, and Tyler Edwards struggled. Uh, the whole team struggled. They finished 1 for 20 on threes. Yeah. Uh, what really? What what were your kind of takeaways from that game? You know, a low scoring game. If you would have said that Houston held, I don't know, but just 50 points at the beginning of the game, at yeah. the beginning uh, of the matchup, I think a lot of people would have taken.
3: Yeah, I mean, defensively, Houston, they did their job. Um, It was just a lot of what Villanova was doing on defense to kind of shut Houston down, but I really thought Houston struggled to get into their sets, and they really didn't. um, It was a lot of iso ball when I noticed. When they would pass the ball around the perimeter, they couldn't really. They tried getting inside a couple of times. Um, I noticed in the second half, Guys like Josh Carlton, Fabian White, very non impactful in the game. They didn't, for a lot of the game, they didn't play actually in the second half. For whatever reason, Sapson maybe wanted some guys that would, you know, defend better on the perimeter, which that was another struggle that they had against this very noble team.
2: Yeah, for sure. And when you think about this season, uh... Honestly, it played out a lot like uh, the season in total because Houston, really Villanova built their early lead, um, early in the first half, and Houston playing catch up the entire time was actually a wire-to-wire victory for, for Villanova. And, you know, I mean, Houston was never out of it. They were always in arm's length reach. and They made that run late in the second half where they cut it to two. It was 42-40, and it seemed like Houston had a chance to be able to overtake it. And let me tell you, for those that did, did go to AT&T Center, But the the fans there, they were ready to explode. And it it just never uh, could explode. Um, But active in terms of just the the season overall, because after Marcus Sasser got injured, uh, really that's that's when the expectations changed for this team. And some people uh, considered it. uh, Honestly, not many of them had them getting to this point. The Elite Eight, uh, they were just one game away from catching up what the Final Four team did last year. And those were teams with Quentin Grimes, Justin Gorham, Jean Giroux, and they were, I mean, really, there were a couple of made baskets away from getting back to the Final Four. What what, what can you say about this season overall? A couple of
3: baskets, a couple of free throws away. So many of the uh, Houston Cougars' shots rimmed in and out. A lot of those jump shots, especially in the second half. And, you know, I noticed that, um, and then the free throws was also another thing. Kyler Edwards missed a pair early in the second half. Um, so did um, – so as well as uh, a couple of other guys who missed free throws on the team. So it, um, it just – it wasn't their night offensively for sure, but I just felt like a lot of it was credited to Villanova, putting the pressure on on Houston's, um, uh, Houston's perimeter players. So it, it just really seemed like whatever Villanova was doing, the scouting report, they made sure that guys like Kyler Edwards could not get going. They would anytime, anytime some of those guys would like Kyle Edwards would drive to the basket. Um, they were not, they were not getting any clean looks. Same thing with uh, um, with Tajay Moore as well. He anytime he went to the basket, whenever he he seemed like our our most efficient scorer tonight. But a lot of those shots were very tough shots that he made, and that was the only thing to me that really kept them in. And some of our bigs that. You know caught the ball um, near the near the rim, were able to get the ball in the hoop. but other than that, everything else was tough for Houston and they it didn't seem like the same team that we were used to seeing over this uh, tournament.
2: yeah when we when we talked about uh, this matchup after um, they beat Arizona in that NBA game on Thursday, uh, one of the things we mentioned for Houston, an advantage they would have been would have been the size. Uh, middle and over, their tallest player was six nine. And early on, it just seemed like Houston couldn't take advantage of that. They tried to feed Fabian White. They tried to feed Josh Carlton. I'll grant it. I know a lot of UH fans are going to talk about the officiating because that. Let me tell you, there there were a lot of uh, questionable calls, especially down low in the post with Josh Carlton. He was called for a couple of offensive fouls. To be quite frank, Uh, they were they could have gone either way, and really, they probably won. But what what you see in that matchup in terms of Houston's bigs. So it, it didn't really seem like they were able to establish either uh, Josh Carlton or uh, Fabian.
3: So, so basically, what, I mean, I was on the um, in the second half. I was on the um, opposing end uh, where the Villanova players were on offense, and I would say you know some of those some of those calls were very I wouldn't say questionable. They were very ticky tacky calls, um, but from my vantage point, they were fouls you know, to Villanova's credit. So I'm not gonna take away anything from them. Definitely, it wasn't really being called the same way on both ends, but some of the calls made against Houston, they were still, I would say their fouls, even though I have a bias, I would still, you know, admittedly say that those were calls. Now, on the matchup end, you know, any I felt like Houston, the, the post players, like Fabian White, Josh Carlton, couldn't really even, when they would get the ball inside, the Villanova players did a very good job of fronting um, Fabian and Josh Carlton, not giving them any looks. And you know those guys are strong. When when you're watching them, you're you're almost on the floor, Andy, and you could see they're very stocky. They have a lot of muscle mass on them. And versus Fabian White, Josh Carlton, they're they're tall, you know, in terms of like their length, but they're not the you know most swole guys you could say. Um, and then defensively, it just seemed like. They were, they were trying to bring the UH bigs out, you know, into the perimeter, out on an island, and that, was, that made a big difference, and they abused those mismatches.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's actually a great point that, that Dan brought up while we were watching uh, the game. We were both sitting uh, courtside, and, and uh, for the Villanova players, even though, like you said, they weren't necessarily tall in terms of size, uh, when it came to their width, they were really pretty uh, well-built. And they did a good job of building a walk to contain Josh Carlton, contain Fabian White. And uh, I think the other thing that was kind of uh, interesting and, and really gave Houston a lot of problems was how agile they were. Because especially when it was Josh Carlton and, and uh, at times Fabian White, even J.J. Roberts a couple of times, they were fighting on pump picks. They were jumping hey, a lot I in know, the know, air. You know, and you know, it was hey, really you know, difficult you know, for you know, uh, uh, even Josh Carlton to stay on the floor because um, it never really seemed like he had a good matchup where Houston could keep him on the floor. And on the offensive end, the Krugers just weren't able to get him the ball. Yeah. Yeah, um, it felt like that. that's probably
3: one of the main reasons that um, Coach Sampson did not play Josh Carlton as much in the second half as maybe Houston fans would be used to seeing him play. I think he... I wouldn't say a mistake because, you know, coaches, they have their reasons for different things. But they put in Jaywan Roberts, you know, to guard some of the perimeter players. And, you know, credit to Villanova. They were really abusing that mismatch. And they were, I think there was the one play specifically, this was to me was like almost a game changer where, and you probably would agree, was late in the second half. We made a big run. It was 40-42, I believe. And then Colin Gillespie, yeah, he had a tough bucket. I think on the right wing, um, it was a mid-range shot. I, I believe JaJuan Roberts was maybe guarding him. I can't recall, but it was just that was kind of what they were doing. That was their game plan. We're gonna abuse the mismatches. We're gonna get Jawan Roberts out. Uh, Reggie Cheney also. They brought them, brought him out as well, uh, out on the perimeter. And I think that's what really caused Houston problems because all those guys, they're almost like Draymond Green type players where they're they're well built. They all can put the ball on the floor. They all have a decent, respectable jumper to where you can't just let them shoot. And Houston players, they were butting on the pump fake, and we had talked about this in the last show that Villanova was going to shoot a lot of, uh, take a, make a lot of pump fakes, and that's part of their, their game plan.
2: And on that note, we'd like to bring in Justin Barbosa on the uh, yet-to-be-sponsored hotline. By the way, give give credits to the Dakota East House. We are live at location. Uh, We are at a local uh, bar and restaurant grill. Just 10 minutes outside from uh, the AT&T Center. They were graceful enough to allow us to host the show and and broadcast us from their location. Uh, And Justin Barbosa joining us also in San Antonio, but from an undisclosed location. Justin, welcome to the show, Justin. How you doing?
0: Man, doing good. Just... Yeah, just sad about the loss, but it was an incredible season.
2: Yeah, Justin, uh, we're going to take turns sharing the screen here because of uh, first world problems. But, uh, Justin, just in terms of you were there, and we're going to give you the solo screen right now. You were there at the game. Uh, it, it always seemed, and this was a, a big point that uh, a lot of fans have made, it seemed like the, the crowd that was there, the Houston crowd that was there, uh, they were just waiting for that one run. They would either tie the game or take over the game where Houston took the lead, um, and it just never happened. And it always seemed like they were waiting for Explode. Now, the closest that they ever got was when they, they cut it to 42-40, uh, but the, even then, it always seemed like LoVa had a timely basket, a timely answer. Uh, you were there. Did you feel that in terms of the crowd as well, or, and how was the atmosphere?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it just seemed like – Every time the Cougars got within six or four, I mean, Villanova just answered with another run. But, yeah, once we got to two, that was the loudest the arena was that game. I mean, I mean, Houston just basically took over that arena. i probably compare it to when uh, it was the Oklahoma game in 2016 for football when the Houston fans took over NRG Stadium. But, yeah, they just couldn't get that big basket to really get that crowd really going the rest of the game. But I mean, nonetheless, it was still a fun atmosphere. When it did get loud, it was pretty fun, especially when Tazi Moore to hit that shot to make it within 42 to 40.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and obviously, of course, the headlines are going to be the one for 20 from the field uh, for Houston. Uh, what what did you feel was kind
0: of the difference for, for the Cougars in this game? Yeah, just a three-point shooting and unable to hit free throws. I think we missed from maybe six or seven. and. Villanova. I mean, hit every single one. I mean, can't. Uh, Got to give them credit for that.
2: Right, for sure. And and in terms of the season that they had, we were talking about how, you know, once uh, Marcus Sasser went down, uh, really the expectations for this team changed. Uh, I mean, to be quite frank, the Christmas Eve is when the news broke that Marcus Sasser was going to be out for the season uh, with that fractured in his toe. If, if people would have said then and there that the Houston, this Houston team would have gotten to the Elite Eight, um, I'm pretty sure that every single Houston fan would have taken it 10 out of 10. Now, albeit it is disappointing, and I think Calvin Sampson after the game talked about how it was disappointing for Houston in terms of the, the loss, but he said that was the only thing that he was disappointed about. Uh, and obviously, of course, giving uh, kudos to, to the good season that Houston had. Uh, I'm sure you can talk a little bit about um, the season as a whole and what Houston was able to accomplish, especially after, um, I mean, they were missing their best player for all the conference play and, and through this run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, when Sasser and Tremont Mark went down, I mean, I thought, like, can we even still win the conference and barely squeak into the tournament? But, you know, after all that, we still went on to win the conference, won the conference tournament. And then just to go on to the Elite A, I mean, it's just an incredible season. You know, we had to change our philosophy on offense and we didn't really have a shot creator all season had to mainly really my rely on just team ball passing the ball around and driving inside the basket making timely threes but but that was really the difference tonight was where we where we really miss Marcus Sasser and his shot creation and Jermon Marcus an extra score and his playmaking ability and it's just unfortunate it came tonight in the elite eight but I mean, just got to give Kelvin Sampson credit for all this season. He did an incredible job, and hope he was Coach of the Year. You know, votes, and I think he really deserves it
2: for sure. And and Justin, I'm I'm gonna put you out in the studio real quick, and uh, I'll I'll bring you back in terms of, um, you know what what Justin just touched on right there, the coaching job that that Kelvin Sampson did this season, um. Honestly, uh, best certainly what he does, his resume has been out there that he, especially for this year, Coach of the Year, uh, we know his accolades um, throughout his career um, and really what he's been able to establish in Houston. Uh, coming up next season, they're, they're going to come with a loaded recruiting class. They're going to have five-star Jairus Walker. They're going to have four-star Terrence Arsenal. Emmanuel Sharp is already on the team. And let me tell you, this is a really good experience for him to be able to watch this run in the Elite Eight. But then also he's already... A training with Adler uh, Bishop and, and the stuff that he's put him through after his injury, the the gruesome leg injury that he suffered in high school. Um, going forward, what can you say first about the coaching job that Kelvin Sampson did? And two, I mean, now next year's team is going to have a lot of expectations, especially after the run uh, that they made this. Yeah, can you hear me, Andy? Okay,
3: all right, cool. We had some technical difficulties. Um, anyways it's a, yeah. it's a live show yeah you know this this is a first we're making history out here yeah so basically um, what the job that Kelvin Sampson has done has been above and beyond. I remember this was I believe 20, 2015 if I'm correct this is this is my sophomore year in college um, I remember eating on campus at the student center where you know there's chick-fil-a McDonald's all that and someone comes up to us, my, me and a couple of other friends, and it was Coach Sampson, at the time, telling, urging us to go to the game. And at that time, it wasn't really the the cool thing to um, go to a uh basketball game, uh, just because of their their recent history of not winning, very many basketball games. Now, it, in in those in the span of two three years, they did have a game where they had beaten the uh, University of Texas at Austin, UT Austin, which was that was one of the highlights of you know my early college. Uh, career. It was That was probably the pinnacle of UH's, you know, at, up until that point of the basketball program, which after that, they they had fired that coach. They brought in Coach Sampson, and uh, he really urged a lot of us to go to those games. We did, of course, um, and we saw just right after picking up guys like Galen Robinson, Rob Gray, Damian Dotson, who I, I thought the last year that Damian Dotson went with the Cougs you know, the, the Cougs should have made the uh, NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, they, they didn't. But we saw what Coach Sampson was building. And from then on, you know, it's just everything has skyrocketed. The program, he's he's been doing the same exact things as a, as a leader of this program. Nothing has changed since he came in, except the fact that they had been getting better recruits, better transfers. Uh, players are more, they, they have bought fully into the program. And all credit to Kevin Sampson. I would have never imagined or thought that in 2015 or so when, you know, he was begging students almost to come, that the program would be where it's at. It's almost a dynasty right now. You know, maybe we are getting those top 100 recruits. I believe we're getting three top 100 players or so uh, next season. That's going to help tremendously. You know, if we have uh, Jamal Shedd come come back, which he, he most likely will, that's going to, you know, that's just going to be another year under his belt to where he can become even a, a better player. So just going focused on Kelvin Sampson, the job he's done, it's just above and beyond. And to me, he's the best coach in America.
2: Yeah, and, you know, when, when he was leading up to this NCAA tournament, every time, especially the last three seasons that I've been uh, fortunate enough to be able to cover the team, he always brings it up. And one of the big things with Kelvin Sampson is, you will never forget where you came from. That's something that he always likes to say. And going back, like you mentioned, to the 2014, 2015, we had uh, Paige and Galen Robinson on on our show uh, last week when they when they advanced to the Sweet 16. Galen Robinson talked about it, how you know, whenever he went to school, and I believe Fabian White uh, talked about it too during his post Whenever they were um, first joined the program, it wasn't necessarily the cool thing to, to be able to be on the team. Like like you said, they they were literally going out trying to recruit fans yes. to pack in uh, half Fine Pavilion into what is now. Um, turn into Fertitta Center, and now, Fabian White talked about it, you, can't, you literally can't walk around campus without someone uh, wearing men's basketball gear. Now, uh, Jordan Brand helps a little bit. We'll, we'll give them credit. Um, uh, but, Justin, we're going to bring you in, and, and can you touch on, you know, you, you are an alumni also, so you've seen that progress, and to get from where that program was then to now, what, what can you add to that statement?
0: Yeah, I mean, just seeing the clips of Kelvin Sampson bringing fans, like begging for fans to go to a Huff-Heinz Pavilion back then and now almost on the nightly at Fertitta Center getting mainly sellouts each night and the culture is just there. I mean, it's just incredible from the very beginning from now, from back then to now. And then now the last, this past weekend, we're, we're selling out, you know, bringing fans to an NBA arena, basically almost nearly selling it out. It's just crazy how far what Samson's done to this program to make it a, you know, perennial, you know, final four team each year. And that's the goal for now on, you know, national title, especially with next year, we got the best recruiting class and, you know, probably U.H. history coming in. You got Jarius Walker, you got Terrence Arnault, hopefully Marcus Sasser coming back and absolutely Tremont Mark. It's just incredible what Kelvin Sam has built. You know, all started with, the, as he says, his best recruit ever it was Galen Robinson, Helping really build that program to what it is now.
2: For sure, Justin, and, and as we, we come back. Um, yeah, that's uh that's certainly that when you talk about Galen Robinson um, and that crew, uh, every time Galvin Santos says, West Van Black, Armani Brooks, those, Corey Davis, those were the group. Uh, they really put Houston on the map. And now it's going to be tough for, for U of H fans, I'm sure. Those of you that are joining us in the comments and the chats watching us, you guys can um, can comment on how big and how hard it's going to be to see Fabian White no longer be with the program and graduate. And uh, Calvin Sampson talked about it in, in the post game leading up to, to – during the NCAA tournament run. And Akeba I'll let you talk about it. But I'm sure, sure this team is, is going to look completely different. <laughs> it's just going to feel different now that they don't have um, Fabian White Jr. on the on helmet.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I totally
2: agree. The feeling is
3: going to be very different, you know, just Fabian, Fabian White, he spent five years with uh, with the Houston Cougars, He obviously had that one year where he was injured. Um, But at the same time, yeah, I would, I'm sure Kellen Sampson and a lot of the team is going to be emotional. I, I'm almost like emotional thinking about him, you know, leaving this program and what he meant. He's obviously the most winningest player um, in, uh, in Houston Cougar history, and that's, that's probably one of his biggest accolades with the, with the team, and as well as him developing that three-point jump shot as yeah. well. That was, that was big for his development, you know, moving forward into the, in the pro level um, of hoops. So, yeah, definitely what Fabian, I feel like every year we keep saying this about a certain group of uh, seniors or a certain class of players – but in, in my opinion, Fabian White is a guy that is irreplaceable. You obviously had guys in the past like Rob Gray and Robinson, um, and then last year, Quinan Grimes, the year before that, Armani Brooks. Those guys are all irreplaceable. But I think Fabian White, in a way, just means so much more to the program because of he, he went through the first year. His first year was in an NCAA tournament. Um, beating uh, a team and making it into the round of 32 before they got knocked off and then progressing. And we saw slowly how he progressed as a player, how the program uh, progressed as a unit as well. You know, last year making the final four. This year, very close, a lead eight, only losing by a couple of points to Villanova. The the game, it was a six-point game, but the game, I trust me, it was way closer than, you know, some would think. So, yeah, I mean, he means a lot to this program.
2: And on that note, we're gonna share uh, a video from uh, Dayon Dunlap, who is still at uh, AT&T Center. He went with a few of our on-field reporters to post-game uh, conference with uh, Kelvin Sampson, and we'll share a screen in a bit. Here is Dayon Dunlap and his video on Kelvin Sampson. Well,
1: the only thing I'll tell you, we'll be good again. Uh, we got uh
2: good young player. we got Jamal
1: Shedden. He's got three more years. Um, Jawan Roberts might have been our best big today for sure. He battled in there. Um, so we've got good players coming back. We've got good players coming in. The transfer it. will be something that we'll be active in. So, uh crew of basketball is here to stay, man. You know, um, beating uh, Arizona, you know, I took a lot out of us. You know, it's not easy to do what we did for 40 minutes, and then you, uh, 40, what what uh, 38 hours later, come back and have to play a team like that going over. But you know, we had, we felt like we could win. And looking back at the game now, it's just I've compartmentalized it here for, since the game's over. We had our opportunities. So many good looks. But um, uh, our kids fought. We got down 21-10. Next thing you know, it's So 40 um, But th- those were two tough, hard-nosed teams. Not, not a lot of teams are going to look good offensively against us. Um, and not a lot of teams are going to look great offensively against them.
2: Once again, that was UH head coach Calvin Sampson there. Day on Dunlap for us uh, on the field, recording after the game. Uh, Justin, we're going to toss it over to you uh, right now because I want to get your thoughts on, on those comments right there. And what Calvin Sampson said, um, you know, he went into detail of the players that they're going to have coming back. Obviously, of course, we've mentioned the upcoming recruiting class, but they're going to have Jamal Shedd back. Tramon Mark is going to come back after uh, the injury that he suffered. Uh, so, Justin, uh, what are your thoughts on those comments by Calvin Sampson and uh, how positive he was in terms of the outlook for next season?
0: Yeah, it's gonna be very positive, especially with uh Tremont Mark coming back. He got a second playmaker on the floor with uh, Jamal Shed, especially when one of those guys goes to the bench. So you have a playmaker on the floor at all times. But yeah, and on that comment about uh this the shots wouldn't fall, yeah. I mean, that's just the kind of night it was, and a night where we miss, you know, Marcus Sasser in his shot creation. But yeah, especially in those final, you know, three, four minutes of the game, Cougars got some good open looks, at least cut it down from three, maybe two. And they just couldn't fall. I mean, it's just one of those nights where shots look good. I had a couple of shots I would go, you know, three, four down the room, and it would come out. But yeah, I mean, just disappointing on a shooting night. But those nights are gonna happen. Just unfortunate it was tonight. But just a great outlook on next year. You know, with the recruiting class, players coming in. You know, Tremont Martin coming back. Hopefully with Sasser. You know, I see the Cougars coming back right where they are this year, and hopefully better. And I was talking about it earlier about taking over a, an NBA stadium. They have a chance to hopefully maybe fill up NRG Stadium next year with the final four in Houston.
2: Yeah, Justin, we like we like your thinking. That's that's true. Justin just mentioned that next year's final four will be at NRG Stadium in Houston. Um acting before before I toss it over to you, um, Justin, you made a great point in terms of um, the, the really the outlook that, that Kelvin Sampson has had, and, and I, I'll let you touch on it. I'll let you talk on it as well. But especially um, the rally that Houston made, I think they got down 11. I want to say it was 40 to 29 um, late in that second half. And I remember when, when it got down double digits, I told them, you know, that, that dagger, that might do it. And Houston rallied back, and they cut it to 42 40 They were right there. They were within square conditions. And at the end of the day, they just really could not get over the humps. And what I was going to say is, you know, the old saying when it comes – and it's much more for the NBA, but at the end of the day, basketball is a maker of this sport. And at the end of the day, Houston just could not buy it back, especially when it came to a three-pointer. I'll um, say, okay, first, on, on Calvin's comments and just overall, um, the, the – um, Positive about what he had on the team coming next year because he did miss after. Jamal's coming back, Jamal Mark's coming back. We're unsure about Mark like He could come back. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see um, how his offseason goes, but that's something to watch. And we've already touched on the recruiting spot.
3: Yeah, Kelvin Sampson, he touched on it at a, a post game. Beyond uh, Dunlap, he had the uh, scoop on that, the video uh, that we just played. And he said. he said, We're going to be back. He also said, We're going to be back and like i well i totally trust you know Kelvin sampson as a leader of this program and if you look at where we where we made it you know as a group this year elite eight many of us thought once we lost marcus Sasser, once we lost come on we thought hey even making a tournament would be impressive and it just what they did that's why i have no disappointment and how they even played today. They, they didn't play their best basketball, obviously, but there was nothing to be disappointed. This is Villanova, a, a, almost a blue blood program. They were able to, you know, have their way against Houston, obviously. could Houston have played better? Of course they could have. But I felt like a lot of the – they just didn't – I would have been more upset had we had open shots and had we missed those than the way they were playing today because it was just – Whatever credit to Villanova, whatever they they couldn't they didn't give us an easy basket at all. I think in the second half there were a few open buckets when Houston made that. I, I believe it was 11 to two run because they were down 40 to 29. Um, even then, I was believing in the team, thinking anytime we could go on a run because that's what Houston does—they go on runs. And we sp- spoke about this earlier in the, in the in the postseason that the statistics show that Houston is one of the best teams at making runs. And holding their opponents, uh, stopping opponents' runs as well, and yeah, like Kelvin Sampson, like you said, this team is gonna—they're gonna be back. They're gonna have better recruits. They hopefully, they're definitely gonna uh, bring Jamal Shad from all invitations, uh, and then maybe even Sasser. We don't know. I'm sure Sasser's gonna test out the draft. He's—he's uh, he's gonna be a highly sought-out player, most likely. But in my opinion, him being a um, a junior right now. Um it, it probably would be in his best personal interest to test it out to maybe go for the draft because he was going to be a, a high second-round um, draft pick looking at um, a lot of these uh, mock drafts earlier in the season when he was balling out almost averaging 20 points a game. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but very positive outlook for this team on the program.
2: Justin, we're tossing it over to you because I want to get your thoughts uh... – in your opinion, do you feel that Marcus Stafford should come back? Um, and now this is try your best to be unbiased in terms of yes, he should be back because it's best for him, the University of Houston, of course. But if you were in Marcus after shoes, uh, what do you feel would be best for him with uh, a returning for um, a third season, especially under the circumstances? Because Calvin Thompson mentioned it, and and, and Justin, we're gonna put it back up because I'm, I'm speaking too much. But uh, uh, Calvin Thompson mentioned it. Uh, that the year that Marcus Sasser was having, I mean, he was on pace. Tony Brown's had a good year for Houston last week. And Marcus Sasser was on pace to surpass that, especially when it comes to three corners made. Uh, I think he had gotten into the 40s through just during non-conference play. And uh, it took a while before anyone else in the American Athletic Conference surpassed that. Um, So he was on his way to put together a good season. Now that injury leaves a bitter chase in the mouth, and it certainly lives a a big what-if for this Houston team that's going to be, um, that's always going to be uh interesting, Um but I think he's going to have a tough position it might not necessarily be as, as a clear cut as it may be, and Justin, as we toss it over to you, what say you, what do you think?
0: I think I remember in one of our podcasts earlier in the year, I think it was at the beginning of the season, I think Sasser was projected as a second round pick, probably a late second rounder, but. I think he should come back and, you know, that'll help raise the stock for sure. But if I was in the shoes, I'd definitely say, you know, run it back. I mean, we're this close to the championship, you know, without him this season. And with the team coming in this – with the team next season and recruits coming in, you know, Jamal Mark, Jamal Shed, sharing the floor, I would say, you know, definitely come back. It would definitely uh, propel this team next season Next season, have him back for sure. I mean, especially with this shooting, missing some games this year and especially – you know, tonight, just to have him, you know, on the floor, I mean, it, it would be electric.
2: I agree, and um, it'll be a tough day. I'm mean, to John Mendes, what he said. He says, you know, if satter comes back, he would be a first-round draft pick, to be quite honest. I think he, he could build up a rhythm out of he barring health, and he can put together a full season. I think he'd be able to become a lottery pick, you know. Borderline lottery pick, around the mid-first round pick. I think if he comes back of the full season, he could, that could be his ceiling. Now, I will say this. I think he's at a point where he's good enough to play professionally regardless. Now, will that be – if he were to enter in the NBA draft this year, would that be second-round pick? Or could that be uh, possibly having to go through the G League route or or overseas route? Because I think he certainly has the time to be a first round. It'll be interesting to see um, – what scouts think of him and also what teams think of it, because he has the NBA skills. He has the three-point shot. He has the ability to, to create off the dribble when he needs to. And obviously, of course, his defense is at a high level. Uh, I said, what say you? What do you think, uh, if he were to defend the draft, where can Marcus go? And um, do you think that he could get up to that mid-first-round draft pick um, scenario if he were to come back for third season with yeah i know
3: i i don't disagree with you much you know i I probably have never disagreed with you but i think this is my opinion you can take it for what it is but i don't think it improves his draft stock you know by much if he stays for another year um just following the nba for so long and especially going through a a team like houston the houston rockets how they have their, their issues right now and how they're in a lottery position some would say probably uh, they're on for on track to you know be a top four pick this year. Um, in, uh, to, yeah, but to get to back back to the point, NBA teams they they like youth more, and the fact that he has really only played two and a half seasons um, in college, I think that um, I would say that attracts a lot of NBA teams. Less you know less time under his miles in terms of. You know he can still be developed. The guys can be developed more when they're a pro versus in college. They got to go through school. There's a lot, a lot of hectic traveling. The schedules are not the best. You know with um, with college basketball. So I'll, I will uh, respectfully disagree, Andy, with that. Uh, I I don't think it will. Right now he would have been a second rounder had he finished out the season. I would say a high second rounder at that. Maybe a low first round pick. Um, but I, I don't think that Sasha's being an extra year is going to help him professionally, you know, at the next level. If he stays another year, maybe he'll improve his draft stock by a little bit more, but he's going to be another year older. Um, NBA teams, for whatever reason, I, I feel like teams should look at more experienced players, but for whatever reason, the NBA – is more attractive to youth and more attracted to um, potential. So I don't think Marcus Sasser, him staying an extra year, is going to tremendously improve his draft stock. However, it would be nice if we ran it back with the Houston Cougars. He would definitely be able to do something
1: special with the U.S.
2: Uh, Justin, we're going to toss it over to you again. Would you agree, and Akib's assessment, by the way, you great point, Akab. I I completely... Um, I respect your opinion. And, and I can see that, especially in terms of, like you mentioned, when it comes to the NBA, uh, youth is key and potential. That's one of the reasons why Chet Holmgren is, is projected to, for some instances, maybe even be a number one overall pick. Not necessarily what he is now, but what he can be with his wingspan, with his length, and really with his ability to react on defense and, and the potential he's shown in flashes. Uh, Justin, we're going to toss it over to you. Would, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that, especially with if uh, he performs well, you know, for the draft workouts and he can see some stock getting drafted or, you know, signing with the team. And, you know, absolutely, he'll probably definitely go to the NBA. But, you know, just, just my opinion. I would love to see him back, try to make another run with this team coming in next year. I mean, it would definitely help spreading the floor, three-point shooting. But, you know, if he goes, he goes, and, you know, that will be good for him.
2: For sure. And as we uh, begin to wind things down, um, and there's going to be a question for, for around the panel, and, and Justin, I'll let you go first. But when you think about the twenty one twenty two Houston season, if you could use just one word, um, what what would it be best to describe? And, and for those listening, um, oh, if he came in with the fire, sorry, this this we got to put this up because... Um, this this might also be up uh, open debate. Marcus Sasser greater than Quentin Grimes. Hey, Effie, uh, I think certainly with the season that he was having and he potentially could have had, uh, Marcus Sasser been on his case to have a much better season than him. not much better, but he on his case to have a better season than Quentin Grimes did last year. And obviously, of course, Quentin Grimes ended up on on the first round, twenty um, fifth, the Clippers, which was then traded to to the Knicks. But um, Justin, back to the round table for, for everyone. And Justin, I'll let you go first. What is one word that you'll you could would would best summarize this season for Houston, um, and just what they were able to accomplish?
0: Man, uh, trying to think of a word for that, but just uh, just incredible, man. I mean, it's just uh, been an incredible season. You know, losing both Samson and Mark beginning of the year and just be able to do what they do. What Samson has done this season, you know, I didn't think. You know, they, I thought they would barely scratch the tournament, even, you know, maybe win the conference. But to go all the way to the Elite Eight, just, just incredible.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I feel if I would, to, were to pick a word, it would be resilience. I think resilience would be the perfect word to, to calculate with U of H, just in terms of those, everything they were able to, to overcome. Obviously, I mean, we keep going back to the story of the season as they lost Mark and Sasser. Uh, they lost Jermon Mark, but to be quite frank, like, Jermon Mark was never 100% from the get-go. Um, it was something that he was being bothered with, that shoulder injury from, from the start, and then he had other injuries um, as the season progressed, and then they, they had to shut him down. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back, um, hopefully healthy and, and ready to go for his third year at U of H. Um, but that that's the word I would choose, and they showed it even in this game against Villanova, one with the run when, when Villanova was able to go up double digits and to cut it to two, but even then, the very end, when it was clear that Villanova was going to win, Houston forced the turnover, they forced Villanova on the full court press to turn the ball over, they got another shot, they got a three from Kyler, he missed, they got the offensive rebound, kicked it back out to Tajay, and he got the last shot, and that's how the season ended for Houston, and i I think that's uh, that's why resilience is a perfect word. I could uh, what say you
3: Something um, yeah, I was gonna say perseverance, uh, so something very similar to the green. Um, they just even when, so when they had lost just to recap, just a little bit, they had lost Marcus Sassi. They lost Shaman Mark almost within the same day or two, I believe. Um, and then they, after even after that, they started uh, American Conference play. They, uh, they, they went on a, a tremendous run. I believe it was a nine-game um, win streak. And then they lost a couple of games within a span of a week or two. They had lost to SMU. They also had lost twice uh, to Memphis. So, and then after all that, they go they go through the um, American Conference tournament. They I think they win almost every game by double digits. If I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, they beat Memphis um, pretty decisively in the finals, who they had lost to twice. So that's definitely that's where the perseverance kicks in. And then they go through the um, NCAA tournament and. They they easily beat UAB, I would say. They take down Illinois pretty pretty handily, and then um, they beat they beat, um, after that after they had played they played Arizona, who are the Pac-12 champs, and then they go through this. They played Villanova, and even today you saw the perseverance. You saw when they were down 40 to 29, they made an a they made an 11 to two run. And at that point, I almost thought, that, you know, Cougar fans should have believed that. And I wouldn't have blamed them if they believed that UH was going to win with that game because the, the momentum was shifting in their favor. But, yeah, that's all I would, I would say is perseverance.
2: I would agree. And I think this is a good point brought up by FP. You know, I think Marcus Sasser, his um, injury really allowed Jamal Shett to grow. And, and honestly become, you now that that uh NBA potential <laughs> points are at, at how high of a level he's able to play. And just being able to watch him up close in this game, you could tell, you know, I, I believe, it, it Josh Carlton or Jawan Roberts, Jawan Roberts, where he looked off the Villanova defender, whichever the big was, I can't remember who exactly it was. They were wide open in the paint. But he made sure that he would set up a perfect pass where they'd just be able to go up and dunk it by literally looking the defender away and throwing a bullet pass um, to the big, which led to to easy slam. He did a good job being able to set up um, the big a couple of times in this game. But on that note, uh, for the final time this season, we will have via the yet-to-be-sponsored hotline, hopefully we'll get it. By the way, we thank you, everyone, for joining us that, that is viewing. Uh, we, we apologize if the, the background noise is too much. We are live. We are in San Antonio, and we're trying to make this um, as big as it can go. So we are the yet to be sponsored online, One more time, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Chris, how are you?
4: I'm doing great, guys. Uh, good job with the noise. A note for, for the future. This is all a learning experience in these last – what, five, six shows, just go with, uh, gotta get some headphones, no canceling headphones for the future. Get a sponsor for that too. These headphones are brought to you by Company X, but that that's fine, you know, learning experience, that's what this is all about. Kudos to the team, you know, as Coach Sampson said after the game in the, in the press conference, if you would have told them, told him, that you would hold Villanova at 28% shooting, 23% shooting from the three, and lose, he would not have believed you. I don't believe anybody would would have thought that Houston would lose a game like that when Villanova shoots less than 30%. But that's what happened. The coups just cannot make a three pointer. They made one out of 23s today. Just one of those days. It's, that's a part of the March madness. It's one and done. You have one bad game shooting, and your season can end. Whereas, you know, if you got a playoff, you get another chance tomorrow. But that's not the case in the tournament. So, I think I'm going to answer Fred Wright's question here. Uh, All signs point to to, uh, Kyler Edwards leaving because he was part of the graduation ceremony. So, yeah, I think Kyler's Kyler's not coming back. That's why Rudy Cheney was not part of the ceremony because he he is expected back with the team. And now the team, fans, supporters, wait for transfer portal news, and there will be some coming. And I'll just leave it at that.
2: That right there, Chris, is what we call a tease. And um, I don't know what you got, Chris, but um, UH fans, like Chris said, um, you guys should be um, on standby because, like, I mean, going along the transfers, that's a big, um, honestly, recruiting tool now that the top teams of the nation have to utilize. And we saw what Houston was able to do in the transfer portal this year. They brought Tajay Moore. They brought Josh Carlton. They brought Kyler Edwards. All three players were key uh, throughout this run, and we mentioned it throughout, um, really. But uh, what really made this team, um, gave them that extra oomph to be able to, to honestly be a national championship contender was Kyler Edwards and Esham. We saw it throughout the tournament, from um, the second-round game in the American Athletic Conference tournament, throughout the NCAA tournament, until this game. He was making multiple threes a game, and then this game – uh, he was unable to do that. And comfort especially offensively, they, they didn't have that extra uh, layer. And, and we saw them struggle. And I think um, that was key. But for the whole season, you saw guys, Tajay Moore, Kyler Edwards, Josh Carlton, not only all play big roles, but embrace the culture. And, and that's key right there. Um Akeb, I'll toss it over to you if, if there's anything you'd like to add in terms of what how big the transfers were for this season. And going forward, like Chris said, how is going to be for Houston next season. Because we know the recruiting class, but that you can't have a young team, like um, even if they're high on five stars, and expect to go in a deep run because they're young and they have to go through the growing things. You need to have some better leadership to be able to guide. Uh, that's that.
3: Yeah, and, uh, and I agree. And then Kelvin Sampson touched up on this actually, um, I believe, uh, this was in the, uh, uh, the, the, post, the, press, the press conference, the pre-press conference to the Elite Eight. He had mentioned that we don't recruit guys like the top team, like Villanova, like Duke, like North Carolina. We don't recruit guys like that. He said, we ha- they have a whole, Coach Samson has a whole different uh, line of thinking when it comes to recruiting. And as evident as we saw from this team, Three out of five of our, our current starters, they were all from the transfer portal. Josh Carlton, Roger Moore, and, of course, Tyler Edwards. And we saw how big of an impact Tyler Edwards made. Up until this game, he was averaging, I believe, 19.6 or close to 20 points a game he had been averaging. So that shows you, and this is speaking to um, any um, transfers that are listening to this, um, this live show right now, you will if you work hard enough, you will get a chance. Even coming in you as a senior maybe, or even a fifty year senior like Josh Carlson, you will get the opportunity that Kelvin Sampson provides if you play hard. Um if you obviously hit shot big shots. Um play defense first first and foremost. We saw Ramon Walker who's just a freshman play so many minutes just because of the hustle. Now he wasn't hit I think he only shoots about thirty-something percent from the field, but that doesn't matter to Coach Sampson. As long as you dive for balls, you take charges, you you know you play defense to the best of your ability. You're gonna play games, and it doesn't matter whether you're a freshman or a fifth-year fifth transfer senior. Um, you're gonna get that shining moment with the Houston Cougars.
2: Akib, you you mentioned one shining moment. Or you mentioned shining moment. One shining moment. Um, that's going to be interesting to see um, how Houston's featured. But obviously, of course, Chris, knew you were uh, part of the Doom calls um, with Kelvin Sampson's post-game availability. Um, what stood out from Kelvin Sampson and what he told reporters post-game?
4: The comment, his closing comment was was the most telling because he also credited the fans for their support. And he said, Coach Sampson said that the growth in the fan support from 2014 uh, replicates the growth of the basketball program. So because when Coach Sampson first arrived, there was not a lot of fan support. But now look at it. You had so many Cougar fans inside AT&T Center in San Antonio, made the trip, made the drive 200 miles to go support the Cougs. So that's a great foundation. That's a great sign of support. And the last thing he said, he thanked the fans for their support. He thanked everyone who's been with the team, thick and thin. And he said, we will be back. And I have no doubt about that. The Cougs will be back. Now,
2: Chris, we know um, you talked about the recruiting class next season. You mentioned the possibility about transfers, uh, the returning players uh, coming back uh, with Jamal, Jamal. I have a couple questions for you. One, and I think it's going to be fair to say, next year's team coming in, they're certainly going to be more talented, at least when you look at stars and and accomplishments, what they've already done uh, than this team. And I'll let you correct me if if you think otherwise. That doesn't mean that they're going to get to the Elite Eight again or the Final Four. Um, But two, and what you touched on with the, the people that were here, I think it's what uh, Kelvin Thompson said before. I believe it was leading up to the lead Eight, but just what he's been able to build in Houston is, uh, to be quite honest, uh, amazing in terms of where the program was when he first joined. Obviously, we've mentioned it before. The word Kelvin likes to use was apathy with the, with the program. And at this point, they're about to get set, uh, whether it's a year removed when they join the Big 12. Um, obviously, of course, Houston is aiming for 2023. But they're really positioned... I know when you think of Houston, you don't think of blue blood. They might be positioned for long-term success, which is the key right there, Um, especially for for any program that's a kind of a good coach, long-term success. And I think Kelvin Sampson has been able to do that. Would say you, Chris.
4: Agreed, Andy. Uh, Coach Sampson and the staff have built this team, with the foundation, with the program, brick by brick, to maintain long-term success. And star-wise, next year's team will be more talented. It remains to be seen if they will be as successful, if they will have the chemistry. One thing, the culture won't change. It'll be up to the incoming players to adjust to the culture as soon as possible. Jerris Walker, I think will get here around May or June. Emmanuel Sharp is already here. So a um, man, Terrence Arseneau is right down I-10, he'll be here soon as well to learn the culture quickly and then the transfer news will come in as well. So, talent wise, next year's team will be talented. I'm not going to get into it, and I don't expect this team, nor should any fan really expect the team to go undefeated. That's hard to do. Luck is involved in that. Injuries is part of that. Matchups is part of all of that. But this team will be in the tournament again next year, barring major injuries to a lot of players. So, that right there is establishing how this program has been built. Next year's team, every team that Coach Hampton has now at U of H is expected to be in the NCAA tournament. It's just a question of how far they advance. One of these years, they're going to have a great chance to get six wins. Six wins means a national championship. Next year's team will have more talent. We'll see if they have all the pieces inside, outside. They do have another long run in the tournament next year. And I'm kind of curious to see how many fans will be late arriving to games next year, guys. You know, will we have them arrive 50 minutes before tip-off? rather than 50 minutes after tip off because Houston Cougars men's basketball is the hot ticket in H-Town.
2: And on that note, Chris, we are about to wrap things up. So we appreciate you, of course, for hopping on. As always, Justin, we're going to talk to those viewers in a second. We really appreciate you being able to hop on. But most importantly, we appreciate all the viewers for all this season. I know uh, – I uh, certainly not uh, an excited crowd in terms of Houston going for back-to-back Final Fours, uh, but certainly uh, getting to the end, getting to this point, and just at the end of the day, being multiple, what three, four shots away from advancing to the Final Four—that's that's really how close this team was from doing something that hadn't been done in school history only once, going back to the '80s And um, in those five-time with teams. That's certainly a testament to what. Like we've said multiple times, we've i sometimes been able to build. Uh, but on that note, we'll talk it over to Justin Barbosa. Once again, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you on the Internet, sir?
0: Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. As I'm Justin Barbosa. You can find me on Twitter at jbarbosapxp. As I'm a play-by-play announcer for high school sports around the Houston area. Also been doing play-by-play for Prairie View a for basketball and baseball. And also a proud and also a sad Houston alum tonight, but proud of this team. And go kooks.
4: Chris, sir, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter right there. You see at VHR Review. Also, of course, HoustonRoundbarReview.com, the website, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, where you can test this show. Going forward, I'm going to have the football postgame shows on the channel as well. I'm branching out at the channel. Um, Houston Roundball Review also on Instagram. So, thank you very much, Andy, for, for making this happen. Thank you for the location for where you guys the short notice to, to get it done. So, bigger and brighter things are ahead for this Less Rage Coups going forward. And also for people tuning in, Andy and you know, I have some other things worked out in the pipeline for you as well for content on another outlet. So, let keep keeping up with us, following us on Twitter as well. So, guys, it's this is, this is a blast. season did not end the way we wanted it to, but brighter days are ahead for the Houston Cougars men's basketball program.
2: And on that note, once again, we'd like to thank all the viewers. I could thank you for joining us here on this live location, and thank you once again. Our tent, the owner of the a sitting just off screen. We appreciate, once again, the – Ice House, the East Ice House. I'm, I'm butchering the, the restaurant name, but for allowing us to use this space in San Antonio, just to throw throwaways from the Alamo Dome, send them away from at and t Center. Uh, thank you all for joining us, and we will be back. Let's wait to take a break. We'll be back for the football season starting in September, um, and that's going to be big for the program coming off the heels of the 12-2 season. Obviously, of course, follow me on Twitter. I can't about talking over to you because I haven't let you plug, so, so where can people find you?
3: Yeah, it's uh, at. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter for for the final time of the season at aqibmgagi. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, I cover um, I cover UFC, cover MMA, and then of course Houston sports and get, um, with with uh, the Rockets and also with the Houston Cougars.
2: And on that note, people can find me on Twitter at on 45 We'll see you. For football season, but be sure to follow us. Our personal supporters, like Chris Gardner said, he, he has some exciting teasers that he that is going to be coming for the new age in terms of transfers. Even though it's the off season, it's never really the off season. There's always news breaking. I'm sure there's going to be something that, that pops up, to be quite frank, within the next few days or weeks. It always seems like news is popping up with programs, but we will be back for the football season. And we thank you for all. It grew. Each show saw an improvement in viewers. It saw growth. I think we capped off at um, over 1,200 views just on Twitter alone. Um, and then I know Chris with YouTube, I think last time I checked in, we were getting over, uh, I want to say 400, of our previous show that we got. So we had that same, like we said, short notice. We started after the American Athletic Conference or during the American Athletic Conference tournament. So it was a good run. We'll be back for football season. We thank you all that joined us. And Okay. Thank right.